All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, we are going to start with Psalm uh, 122. 122. Uh, this is one of those Psalms of Ascent. And so the, uh, the, very, the basic idea is that the people were heading into worship. Um, there's debate whether this was as they're coming up the mountain into Jerusalem or whether it's actually uh, going from one part of the temple into another part of the temple. Or both. Uh, or, yeah, we're both, or, or neither. Um, I, I kind of, you know, I, I like this upward direction. I like thinking about ourselves as uh, pilgrims here in this world that are heading somewhere, that we're heading home, we're heading to heaven. And uh, um, no, scratch that. It's not that we're heading to heaven. We're heading to a resurrection and a new creation. You know, and so there's a new life that is ahead of us. And so our life in this world, uh, the Bible talks about us as aliens and strangers uh, living toward a home. And I, I think that these psalms speak to that uh, in kind of an um, interesting way uh, that I think is meaningful. So, Psalm 122. Lord, I was glad when they said to, said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that's bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sakes, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the section of Romans chapter 8 that we are in uh, is verses 18 through 24. Um, we're going to work our way through this. Uh, would somebody be willing to read those verses for us again this week? Verse 8, 18? Uh, eight, 18 through 24. Okay, I can do that. Well, it's already written. I, I can just read it from the... From yeah, the yeah, it's right there. Uh, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. <coughs> All right. Thanks, Bill. So last week we talked about uh, the sufferings of this present time 
being not worthy, not worth comparing with the glory that, that's being revealed uh, in us. And I, it's talking about this work of salvation leading us to the resurrection and, and that as we look ahead to what we will be, uh, that the sufferings, the pains that we experience in this life, although they're very real and we do suffer them, um, they, they don't even compare to the glory. Uh, uh, I, I sometimes wonder if we'll even remember, you know, because what we, what we will experience will be so good, you know, and it's that, that comparison is just like, that was nothing, you know, now that I have this. Um, so verse 19, um, the English Standard Version says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Um, I translated it this way, for the eager expectation of the creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. Now, there is, I think, a subtle difference there. And uh, what I noticed was that this word eager expectation is a noun. And it's actually the subject of the sentence. Um, it, it, the way that it's treated in the ESV it, it is more verbally or, or maybe even adjectivally. Uh, the creation waits with eager longing. Um, but the eager longing is actually the subject of, of the verb um, that, it, that it's waiting for the revealing. Um, uh, one of the uh, commentaries that I'm using is the, uh, the Concordia um, commentary series on Romans. And uh, um, there's a professor for Concordia, Irvine, who, who wrote the commentary. And of course, as part of that process, he has to go back to the original languages and translates it. Um, and, and he translates it this way. Uh, Indeed, the fervent expectation of the creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. So the, the subject of the sentence is actually eager expectation or fervent expectation. Um, th this word is a compound word. It, it, I know in German you can take uh, like a whole bunch of words and just kind of string them together and just yeah. make up words as you go along. Right. It's, it's one of the charms of the language. Let's just... <laughs> this is kind of in that mode where they took a bunch of words and they jammed them together to come up with a, a new word. This word is only used twice in the in the scriptures, um, and uh, so it, it, it very roughly, if you were just to take the parts and add them up, you would get something like um, to expect from the the head or to expect from one's thoughts, with one's thoughts, that this is what your your mind is is fixed on. Yeah. The word that gets me puzzled is creation. What is the creation in this sentence? Is yeah, that is, that's something that's debated and it's something that we're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to get to that here in, uh, in a moment. Um, the, uh, uh, the way that it's used, the, the, it suggests a picture of a person craning his or her neck to see what's coming. You ever been so excited, you know, I, I think like a little kid in a parade, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they got their necks going side to side trying to see what's coming down the, down the way and they're so excited about, that is the kind of picture here, that 
there's this kind of an experience craning our necks to, to see what's coming. The creation is, is got that type of an emotion that's, that's going on in, inside of itself. So it's not just, you know, the expectation, but there's a strong desire, a positive desire that's, that's connected to it. And this eager expectation belongs to, as Ed pointed out, uh, the creation. And right up front, I, I will admit that uh, um, there is debate about what, what, is, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What are they, they talking about what, you know, when it says uh, the creation? And for me, I kind of like the, the keep it simple principle when I read these things, you know, and I look this over. And, uh, and I think that when it says the creation, that it's the created things taken as a whole. It is what it says it is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all of this. And don't you think of that new telescope and all the amazing things that are out there we don't even begin to understand or recognize are there? Right. It's like, wow. The, the thing that comes to my mind sometimes is dark matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've never seen dark matter. We've seen evidence that there is such a thing. Yeah. But, you know, we, we kind of don't know what it is. Yeah, it's just this stuff. Well, you know, black holes were in that yes. same category for many decades. That's right. Until somebody actually found one. They were yeah. predicted by theory that they could exist, but yep. not that they had to. Yeah. But anyway, the, the, the thing about the creation is I've never thought of the creation as having its own consciousness. Yeah. You yeah, know. so there, there is a, a, a bit it's of like... pantheistic about it. Yeah. It, <clears throat> I'm hoping to dig a little bit more deeply into that next week. Um, mm -hmm. But you, you're right. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a type of personification that's going on here. Yeah. And, and it's biblical. Mm -hmm. there, there is precedent for um, looking at the world and seeing it as something that is uh, living, active, um, that, that it does things, uh, that it has um, a feeling and a, a will of its own. And, and I want to avoid um, you know, paganism, and, uh, um, I, but I also want to avoid this uh, extreme materialism. Those are kind of, I think, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I hope to spend a little bit more time on this next week because I, I think the some verses that are coming up speak to this a little bit more because um, it talks about longing, that the creation groans, um, you know, and, and I think that there are, are um, some extremes to this, but I also think that as Christians that there is kind of this in-between place where we recognize the creation as something um, that is more than just dead matter, um, but it's not something that we should be bowing down and, and mm -hmm. worshiping. Um, uh, and, and, and part of this is uh, seeing ourselves as creatures. And I think that that's an important part of our relationship uh, with God, but also with our world. Um, so as I mentioned, this is a, a form of personification where you uh, assign uh, human attributes to a uh, inanimate object, or um, or even animals. You know, uh, I was when the weather's nice, like it's you know been across the summer here. 
Um, I will sometimes take my coffee and breakfast outdoors and let the dog walk around in the yard and he comes back and he smiles at me. Oh yeah, dogs but, yeah. But he's not necessarily actually, you know, <laughs> on, you know smiling, it's it, it, like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, so anyhow. And uh, uh, another example is like when you when you go to the zoo and you can see like all the different cre beautiful creations that God has been created. Yes. Yeah, the creation is amazing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that is part of what we need to, uh, uh, I think, hold. When, when we engage this world, um, there is a sense that this has been given to humanity to use and to tend. Um, and I think that sometimes we lose sight of this relationship that we have, that we ourselves are created. We are not gods over those things, but we are fellow creatures that have been entrusted with those things. You know, and, um, you know, so I think about, like, if we go to the zoo and looking at animals that are endangered, um, there, there, I think that there is a, uh, a relationship there that calls us to care about that and to think about what we might do about it. Um, I think that there's a relationship as, a, uh, as fellow creatures that leads us to care about how um, those animals will be treated. And you can extend that out uh, to other parts of creation as well. Um, so, uh, keeping it simple, uh, creation, for, for my money, Ed, it's everything. It, it's, it's all of it that's out there. Okay. Um, so it's the animate stuff, it's the inanimate stuff. Um, and uh, Psalm, or, excuse me, Psalm 19 is my quote-unquote proof text uh, mm -hmm. for this idea. Um, that, that this is used this way in the scriptures. So Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pour, pours out speech, the, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the world, and their words to the ends of the world. I think that when we look out here uh, at, at the things that are around us, you know, there is good evidence just from what we see in creation that there is a creator. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you want to talk about beauty or complexity, you know, all, all, all kinds of things would lead us to believe that there is a creator. Now, pause on that for a second. Just because you believe that there's a creator, does that mean that you believe in the one true God who's given his son Jesus to die for us? No. 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 You know, and so we've got to be clear about that. Uh, in James it says that the, that the demons believe that there is a God. Mm -hmm. And they shudder. Literally, their hair stands on end. Um, it, just this, this fear that they have because of that, that knowledge. You know, and uh, you know, and so um, yeah. Looking out there, uh, it's it's as if the creation speaks, and uh, and the way the Bible 
talks about these things, it's, yeah, it does. It speaks to us. It communicates with us. Um, it's kind of baked into the system to proclaim, you know, God's law, God's goodness, God's justice, uh, the power of, of God's wrath, you know, all of these things, you know, can, can be observed. His mercy. Have you ever noticed that rain falls on the wicked and the righteous? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I noticed you gave me a like on that Facebook post about thunderstorms. Help me remember. I like thunderstorms because they show that even nature has to scream once in yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other one that I really liked uh, that you posted recently um, was, uh, it, it was about um, electric vehicle batteries being recycled in Germany. Oh, yeah. Because that, there is a side to this, you know, that... Uh, um, are there problems in terms of creation, relationship to creation in the petroleum, you know, and, and pollution? Yes. Yeah. But, and, you uh, know, there's just been all this stuff about, oh, where are we going to get all this lithium? Yeah. And there's been, well, it's just the nature of the batteries. You can't, you can't reclaim any of that. It all gets mixed together. Well, yeah. Unless you do something about it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but, it, you know, where I was heading with that was yeah. uh, there are problems in how we treat creation, how we treat our fellow human beings, yeah. and where we're getting cobalt and lithium, uh, you know, and I mean, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's very destructive, these, these mining mine. products, and yeah. it's connected with slavery and all of these things, yeah. you know, and so I, I, I do kind of scratch my heads with some of this stuff, um, where uh, it's like, no, there has to be something that brings, we can't pretend that there's no injustice in that system, you know, just because it, 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 it does, it gets rid of this type of pollution. There's another problem here, you know. So, okay, what do we do? And I love that there's a company over in Germany, apparently it's connected to Volkswagen, yeah. um, I, and they're reclaiming um, these heavy metals out of the batteries, and they're figuring out how to mine them yeah. to get the things that are already out there. Yeah. And there was, I, I just simultaneously, sort of pretty close in the news, was an, uh, an announcement from GM. And I don't mean to say that Volkswagen is more moral than GM. No, no, no. You know, it, it, they all have all sorts of crazy corporate policies. But GM was announcing that they had signed a huge contract with someone to provide the, the metals they needed to make electric cars. And it, it was like, we, it wasn't in the text, but it seemed like, well, we don't care where you get them. Mm. You know, whereas Volkswagen was working on this, maybe just a pilot project, but to, to get them in a much better way. Yeah. 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 So it's not always what you do, sometimes it's how you do it. Or why. And why, yeah. And, and when we look at how we relate to the world, seeing it in this personified way, recognizing ourselves as, as creatures, there is a connection that's there and uh and like i said i want to i want to dig more deeply into that next week but we're going to continue to kind of bounce off of it as we go through today um so the eager expectation of the creation uh eagerly awaits there's a lot of eagerness here um sometimes i translate things that way to be redundant to kind of hit the idea multiple times 
But uh, the whole creation is waiting for something. The whole universe, I put world, but you know, the whole universe wants something to happen. And, and the eager expectation of that creation eagerly awaits the revelation of, of the sons of God. Now, we've talked about this in the past in terms of uh, the sons of God. Um, that can rightly be translated as the children of, of God. Um, I like to leave it with sons uh, because I think there's another element um, that's important, that was important in the culture anyhow, um, that at the time that this was written, only sons received inheritances. And this isn't, um, you know, it, it's calling men and women sons of God. Um, and so it's saying that all of us are, are receiving this inheritance. Um, and, uh, uh, and it's basically saying that this universe, the universe is waiting for uh, the, the, the people of God to be seen. And when it, when it says the, the, the revelation of the sons of God, it, it's um, that they would be revealed. You know, it's a noun, but it's the act of them being found, being seen. So the question, how does one, male or female, uh, become one of the sons of God? It starts with baptism. It starts with baptism for sure. Or if you came to faith later in life and you heard the word and believed, you know, it's coming to faith. And so for most of us, that was our baptism, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the things I love about being Lutheran. I don't remember not being a Christian. Did you notice I didn't say that I, there was a time that I wasn't, you know? You just said you don't remember. Right, exactly, because, you know, when I was about a month old, my parents brought me to church and mm -hmm. I was baptized, and the Holy Spirit did his work calling, gathering, enlightening, creating faith, okay? Um, Yeah, um, so um, when we come to faith, you know, we become uh, sons, children uh, of God. And so Romans 8, 14, just a little bit before what we were talking about here. Um, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So it's this, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, giving us a new life, empowering, leading us out, that makes us part of what the, the world longs to see, what the universe is longing for. And so the eager expectation of the creation relates to, to people being led by the Spirit of God. Why? Well, that's our, that's our next section. <laughs> so um, that first paragraph there, the English Standard Version, the part that's marked ESV at the end, would somebody be willing to read verses 20 and 21 for us? Thanks, Ed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. All right. Thank you. 
<laughs> so here, here's how I translated it. You know, and you're going to see not massive differences, but maybe some subtle ones. For the creation was made subject or made submissive to futility, not voluntarily, but because of the one who subjected it, on the hope that also the very creation will be set free from slavery to decay into the freedom of the glory of the sons of God. So, creation is subjected to futility. It's a beautiful word, futility. Um, this word that's translated futility here, it means folly, vanity, transitoriness. When you hear the word folly or vanity, do you think of another part of the Bible? Pride. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, yes! And I think that there is a connection here. Uh, the, the book of, of Ecclesiastes, we believe this was written by uh, Solomon. And he's looking at the world and he sees vanity. Uh, this is one of those few passages that I, I, uh, I memorized from the original. Uh, so a little Hebrew. I'm sorry, Carolyn. I have to do this. That's fine. Hello. As long as you don't expect me to. You're going to have to memorize this too. Hebel hebeli mamar heleth. Call Hebel. Vanity of vanities. That's how I think the King James puts it. But this word Hebel is what's translated as folly or vanity. And it has, it has this rich range. And um, uh, actually, uh, the Lutheran hour this morning, uh, Hebel is the title of the sermon. Uh, he preached on the Ecclesiastes uh, text that we had uh, appointed for today. I really encourage you to you know, look this one up because really good. Um, talking about how this word, um, this vanity of vanities, the word hebel ultimately means breath. How long does a breath last? Not very. It just, and it blows away. Now, is breathing a good thing? Mm -hmm. It is a wonderful thing. <laughs> Can the, 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 even the scent of breath be something that's fantastic and wonderful? Mm -hmm. Holding a little baby and they breathe in your face, and you're like, oh. Can also be awful, right? <laughs> that morning breath. That's <laughs> usually not babies, uh, but you know. But the breath of one that you love in a kiss. And then you get married, and then you get the morning breath, and then the, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so um, there is this picture, I think, that's being drawn for us that uh, um, creation, when, when, when God first created all things, that there is this permanence, this eternalness to it. But because of sin, it was subjected to temporal. 
breathiness. And some of that is good and it's beautiful. But some of it is sorrowful and, and just this constant repetition and grinding and meaninglessness. Because it's just there and it's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes, it, you know, we think about, you know, what is, what is our legacy in life? You know, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Uh, but, uh, you know, what impact does my life leave in the world, right? You know, there are, there are some names that are out there that, that have been around for a long time. You know, Julius Caesar. Yeah. Alexander the Great. You, know, you got uh, um, the Buddha. These are people who impacted the world and, and, and their names are going to be remembered for a long, long time even after we're gone, even after people have completely forgotten us. And frankly, that doesn't necessarily sit well with me. <laughs> There's part of me that wants my name to be remembered for something wonderful and, and, and great. And, you know, I, I had a member in my previous church, uh, he's a bit of a philosopher, and uh, sometimes, you know, he would, ponder eternal life and in one day he said you know I think eternal life is my children my grandchildren you know mm-hmm. in a sense me passed on from generation to generation and they'll remember me mm-hmm. I'm like okay you got two generations yeah that's it yeah. maybe a third you know in my line of work I, I you know um, I, I, I could see where I could impact it, you know, for a while. Martin Luther's name's been around for 500 years. I doubt that my name will be. Don't give up hope. Yeah. I'm not sure that I want to hope for it. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because if they're going to remember your name, you don't remember, you don't know for sure what part of you right? is going to be. There's that too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just where, where, where does, what impact does this life have? And King Solomon, who we remember his name, and we remember a lot about him, and he looks at it all and he just says, it's a breath. Mm-hmm. It has no more significance than, yeah. Have you ever watched any of Altered Carbon? I have not. I've read some stuff about it. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. In that series, everyone has a little sort of what you might call a chip. It's sort of like a little slice of a vertebra in their neck that stores all their experiences, all their thoughts. And they regard the human body as a sleeve. So that if, if something happens, if your body is killed, they just pull this chip out and put it in a new body. And it just raises all sorts of, well, what's, you know, existential stuff? Yeah. You know, so, is that new me? Is that really me? Uh, or is that, you know, it's, 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 it's tricky. Bit. 
Yeah, so are you only these things that go on up here in, in right. this electrical chemical soup right. that's going on in your mind? Um, or is this body actually connected to who you are? Right. You know, and uh, um, yeah. Um, you know, so I believe that we were created to live forever. I believe that the earth was created to be forever. And that with the fall, then um, this decay, this temporariness um, comes into being. You know, and so um, creation, including this stuff, your flesh and bones, you know, intended to be eternal. And I, I think when we read the Bible, there's an arc, a storyline, where at the creation, you have eternity. Then you have the fall. And then God's going to do something about the fall. And that is he's going to give his only begotten son, his eternal son, to redeem us, to lead us into the new creation. Because you know, it's not we die and go to heaven. It's we die, we rise again. And that someday there's going to be new heavens and new earth. And, uh, and in the new creation, there's no more death, no more decay. And, and you know, it, it, so it's from creation to fall to redemption to new creation is the, is the end game. And uh, you know, th this is one of the problems that I have in dealing with you know, the theory of evolution. You know, because the theory of evolution is very much predicated on death. Now, I do think that evolution is the order of this world. I think that this world is completely and totally um, steeped in death. And that it is the rule of this present time that we are in. Make no mistake about that. And, and this is what Jesus experienced when he entered creation in the incarnation. So the world fell, you know, was subjected to this hebel, and then God, the second person of the Trinity, who's revealed to us in, in Jesus, he leaves eternity and he allows himself to be subjected to 33 years. What's 33 years? Mm -hmm. 33 years seems like a lot to you, right? Mm -hmm. How old are you now, Mo? 35. Yeah, I mean, it's just two years shy of your entire life. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a lot. I look back at, at, at 33 and that actually seems like a, a while ago. There was, I, I saw an article where some learned person had studied things for a long time and determined that 33 was the end of adolescence. <laughs> and I thought, all these centuries we've been worshiping an adolescent. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jesus comes in and just, just this short, and, and he does that in order to redeem that which was subjected to futility. Something that was intended to be eternal, that became 
very temporary. And the eternal God steps into that, that breath and just carries that burden of what it means to be subject to, to futility. You know, to be subjected to, to time, to decay. You know, and this is something that Jesus did willingly, but the creation did not do willingly. It, it, it was not voluntary. Sometimes people will, will say that, that God is unjust because he gave his son you know, to, to die. You know, and, and, you know, he made his son do this. It's always important to remember, no, you know, God is one, and they have one purpose. They, have one, um, they are in complete and total agreement. You know, and it's not like the father made the son do this. The son was completely on board to give himself in order to redeem us. Um, so the creation, however, was not subjected to futility voluntarily, but because of the one who subjected it. And so who subjected it to folly? Because some people will say that it was humanity. And you can make an argument for that. Psalm uh, 8 talks about uh, the world becoming uh, subject to humanity. You know, and so there's this you know, sense of uh, the, the humanity being over the world and taken wrongly, you know, that then we dominate and misuse and abuse and, and all of those things. But the person that I think ultimately is the one who subjects creation to folly is God. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, if you look at the next words, mm -hmm. in hope. Yes. If this were Satan messing things up, he yes. wouldn't be hoping that it would all work out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he subjects everything to folly in order, he says, on the hope that. Uh, the very creation will be freed. I, I think that he subjects everything to folly to create that hope, that everything, uh, even the very creation, will be freed from slavery to decay. That as he subjects creation to folly, he is putting something new into the system. That through death, particularly one death of the eternal God who gives himself and steps into folly and allows himself to be sacrificed. All of the sin and all of the, the death that humanity brought into themselves is turned back. And so the whole thing is redeemed in order to redeem us. You know, so... Uh, I read this. Uh, it, it seems to me that decay was not part of God's plan from the beginning, but uh, creation was subjected to slavery, to decay, that, that God did this. And that, uh, it seems that that would be at the fall into sin. That makes the most sense to me. Um, that's when people started dying. Um, and uh, and that is, that's the order. That's, that's the rule of this world. That death is kind of how this world works. In this world, all things die. 
and, uh, uh, and, and death is worshipped and it's revered in, in this world. Um, there is a... Uh, have you ever seen the, the, the images? It's often a tattoo. Uh, it looks like St. Mary, but like with a skull face. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's part of Mexican culture. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, that image is called Santa Muerta. <laughs> what was that? Saint Death. Yeah. Yeah, and it really doesn't have anything to do with Mary. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 what we call syncretism, where you take part of one religion and you mix it with something from another religion. And so when you think about the colonization of Mexico, highly Roman Catholic, bringing the, the saints with them, and that got blended with some of the gods of the, the native people at the time, you know, and you get Santa Muerta. You know, so they had this god that was a death god, and the images get crossed over. And this is still a, a pretty significant part of uh, some of the cultures in, in, in Mexico. Um, that's a really kind of crude and obvious type of a of a uh, example, but consider our, our entertainment. Consider our preoccupation with violence. Humanity loves death. It's just it's it's just like it's baked into us. Um, and so you have this death thing that that that's going on that the, uh, the creation has been subjected to, but with a hope that uh, it's going to be into a, a freedom. It's going to be freed from that, the freedom of the glory of the sons of God. So what is, what's the glory of the sons of God? Cross and redemption. Yeah, it's the cross. It's that God himself steps into this to redeem it, to redeem us. Our glory is Christ's defeat of sin. And then that defeat of sin brings a new righteousness into this world. And it's a righteousness that's received by, by faith. And then that righteousness that's received by faith leads to resurrection from the dead. A bodily resurrection. So the freedom... Uh, of, of the sons of God is that we are baptized into Christ's death and are therefore are also baptized into his resurrection that we might walk in newness of life, to have an actual new life that is lived in this world. You know, you, you, you are going to die, but there's also the sense where I can say you are not going to die. And it's not just kind of this airy-fairy, my spirit lives on. No, you live. And one day you're going to be reunited with a resurrected body. Yeah, Ed. You know, if this is one of those situations where I find it a little hard to get inside God's mind. Oh, it's really hard to get in God's mind. Yeah. <laughs> but an analogy for me, there was a computer program once that simulated CT scanners. Okay. Very precisely. So you would have a, a file of a model of some anatomy in it, and you'd run it through this, and it would produce the data that would come out of a CT scanner, and then you would, would run the reconstruction program and get a nice slice. 
and the images that came out of it were terrible. Didn't look anything like what actually came out of a CT scan. And, and what was missing was uncertainty. The positions of the detectors are not all where you want them to be. The sensitivities vary. And once they put in uncertainty on those things, it all snapped into focus. And to me, that's sort of an analogy of God putting futility into creation to make it have it all have meaning. Mm. Now, when I say, well, what is meaning to God? That's where I run out. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some sort of a, of a commonality there. Yeah, I, I, I can see where that could be a, a helpful analogy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, thank you. So, if we're baptized into Christ's death and therefore baptized into his resurrection, um, and if we are dead, right, then sin is no longer our master. That's, that's Romans 5 stuff, right? And, and that's what this is getting at. Um, it's almost as if it's all one letter. Um, because it is. Um, so creation was subjected to death because of humanity's sin so that our salvation from death will flow back into the world bringing life. That even now, as bearers of Christ, we bring life into the world because it's in us. Now, that's only going to be really finally experienced and fully realized in the new creation. But I think that this brings us into reconsideration of our relationship with our fellow creatures. And again, that's something I want to spend more time on next week as we think about how do we connect with a world that's subjected to folly, a world that groans, to think about what is that, that relationship that God has impacted and brought salvation to us. Now, on the back page, you see where it says verse of the week? I don't know if you know this or not. Um, okay, quick, a quick story first. <laughs> Working in a church, you learn very quickly that people do not read the bulletin. I, I know you all read the bulletin and you're well, rapt I, I, attention. I, I've seen it because people call and ask me, I'm going, it's in the bulletin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and Pastor, why didn't you tell us? Well, I announced it three weeks and it was in the bulletin for a month. And, you know, you know, we are we are literally going to at some point get T-shirts for the staff that say it's in the bulletin, <laughs> has been for weeks. Um, but in those green sheets or those, those announcement sheets, um, there is on the front page in the upper left-hand corner, uh, a little box there that has uh, the readings for next week, the sermon for next week, and a verse that I picked out that more than likely reflects part of what I'm going to be talking about next week, a, a verse of the week. And um, the idea is that, you know, you would, yeah, she's got it right there, that, you know, you would take a look at that and you'd look up those verses 
you know, throughout the week to help to prepare for being here on Sunday. But that that verse of the week could be like a, a mantra. That's not a very Christian word, but the idea is there something that a touchstone to help you to think about who God is, what He's done for you. You know, to have a little bit of His Word in your life that leads you into uh, next Sunday. So I, I put that there, but I also thought I would put it here because, uh, well, it's an extra gift for some of my very favorite people in the world. And uh, you can take that with you. And uh, in your times of prayer, in your times of devotion, maybe you just, you know, say, now faith is assured, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You know, and let that rattle around in your brain and see what God does with that for you. Yeah, let it marinate. Let it marinate. I love that. So, all right. Anything else before we go? Then let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here today. Please um, bless your word as it works in us and help us to, uh, to live in your love and your forgiveness every day. Uh, and help us to look ahead to that day when we will rise and help us to live our lives in light of what, what you have promised to us. And that, that hope that we have of resurrection uh, then impacts how we relate to our fellow creatures. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.